This week, we're, um, we're continuing on our series called What is Real Life? And, and it's a message series on the book of uh, 1 John. And I'm really, really, really excited to be sharing on this book. When we were praying and seeking God's uh, wisdom and guidance for us in terms of a series, the next series that we wanted to do, the book 1 John came to mind. And I just, I love, this is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite books of the Bible. I think there's so much wisdom. There's so much truth. There's so much uh, knowledge and just so many things that we can grasp from this book. When I, when I was growing up, I used to have this thought that the book of 1 John was just a book about love. You know, it was just a book that told us like how to love each other well, how to love God well. Um, you know, and, and I didn't really think it was a book that had much substance. And it wasn't really a book that I studied a lot when I was younger. Since then, I, I've studied this book in great depth, and I love this book. There is, there is so much, as I said, there's so much wisdom. There's so much meat to chew on. There are so many different topics and, and thoughts and ideas, and I, I just really, really, really love this book. So today, I'm going to be sharing from chapter 1, verse 5, through to chapter 2, verse 7. And there's a, there's a few different subheadings here in my Bible. One thing that I want to encourage you guys as we're reading the book of John, quite often when, when we look at the way that Bible chapters are set up and we look at the way that the, the verses all tie together, I want to encourage you just as we read this book to read beyond the designated chapters. I think one thing that often happens when Bible is translated from the original Greek and Hebrew text that was, it was written in to the English text is that very often chapter breaks can be put in and, and they may not be exactly in the right spot because as you'll see today, the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two, it's actually a continuation. One thing we have to keep in mind is that this book was written as a letter. And so this book, when it was written, it was written continuously as a letter and it's only being divided up when it was translated into English. And so I want to encourage you as you're reading and studying this book at home to read it as a letter. You know, to, to read beyond the, the subheadings and the read beyond the chapter headings, because there, there's a real continuation and a real flow that you're going to see today and, and that you're going to see continuously throughout the weeks. Because the way we've broken this up isn't chapter by chapter. So, you know, there are, there are five chapters in the book of First John. However, we haven't broken it up chapter by chapter. We've broken it up by themes and, and by paragraphs and by sentences, because there, there's just so much in this book. And there are so many little things in each chapter that it, it would almost wouldn't do it justice to break it up by chapter. So I, I'm going to read this through, um, and then I'm going to talk to you about a couple of thoughts and ideas that I've had from this, and just some things that the Lord's been revealing to me. So if we pick it up here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, And this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, and we confess that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My children, 
I say these things and I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, know this, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, and if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not within him. But whoever keeps my word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, and by this we know that we are in him. He who abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. What inspiring words. As you can see, as we're reading this, you know, we, we jumped from the end of chapter one into chapter two. But if we, have, if we remove the chapter heading, it flows as a letter. If we remove the chapter heading, it, it's a continuous story that, that uh, the writer is writing to these people, that he is trying to explain and encourage and inspire them to live as Christ lived. The two things that I, that I want to talk to you about today out of this passage are two very obvious themes to me. They are theme, the theme of union and the theme of fellowship. Union and fellowship. We see here that in the message two weeks ago from Matt, when he introduced us to the letter of 1 John, he talked about the evidence of Jesus being real. He talked about how uh, the writer here is imploring people and inspiring people to believe and know for the fact that Jesus was real, that he walked the earth, that his life was manifested, that he lived in the flesh, that he came down and that he died. And we see that here in the first four verses. I want to suggest to you today that a theme and a message that's coming out of, of this passage of scripture is that union with God, union between God and man is an established thing. Union has been established by the blood. You know, we have complete union with the Father. The veil was torn. Christ died so that we could be free. Christ died so that we could experience his love and have eternal life. We all know this to be true. Union is established by the blood. It's something that we can't take away. You know, there's nothing that we can do that can de-unify, ununify us from Christ. We can be out of fellowship from Christ because of our sin. You know, it says in Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul makes it very clear that there is nothing, no height, no depth, no fear, no sin, no death, no life. There is nothing, nothing that can separate us from God. So we find this theme that says union that we have with Christ is established because of his blood, established because of his sacrifice. And that's really important for us to grasp because it makes relevant the rest of what the writer is saying here. 
in his letter. It makes it relevant. Because if we don't understand that we have union through the blood, that if we don't understand that union is established, that there is nothing we can do to take us out of that union, this is hard to to grasp. Something that I notice with this this passage, which I'm, I'm going to highlight to you right now, we're going to read it again, but I, I just want to highlight the four comparisons that the writer makes in this passage. He says this, this is the first one, he's in verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Why is he saying this? Because in God, as he says in verse 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So what does that mean for us? In verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship, note he's saying if we say we have fellowship, and we walk with him in fellowship, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So the writer here is explaining that it's not about what we say, it's about how we walk. It's about what we do. That's the first time he says it. Jump down to verse 8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet if we confess our sins and we confess that he is faithful and just to forgive us, our sins will be cleansed and will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Notice here the comparison, because the reality is we have sin. You know, the reality is all have fallen short of the glory of God. But because of the sacrifice that Christ made, because of his blood poured out, we have that union established and there is nothing that can separate us. Yet if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is just to cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's pointing back to this reality, guys. It's pointing back to this reality that, that we as humans from the fall of the world, from when Adam first ate the apple that was given to him, when he first took that apple and had a bite, from that moment, us as humans have fallen short. Us as humans are not perfect. But if we understand the reality, if we understand that union is established by the blood, and that as Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, there's nothing that can separate us from that. If we understand and grasp that reality, we are able to walk in fellowship with God. We are able to access that union. We are able to be cleansed from our sins. We're able to walk in the light as he is in the light. Because Jesus, his sacrifice, the word here in in chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, and he himself is the propitiation, I can't say that word to save myself, sorry. In other translations of the Bible, it says that he is the sole atonement. That he dying on the cross is the atonement. The only one that's ever needed to bring us and make us right with him. If we jump down to verse four, it says, he who says, I know him 
and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. It's another comparison. It's another thing pointing that it's merely not enough to, to, to just talk the talk. But we're required to walk the walk. As I've said, union is established by the blood. Union is not conditional to what we do or to what we say. Christ's sacrifice makes union available to every person on earth. However, fellowship, fellowship is conditional to our choice. Fellowship is conditional to our action. And we see that here in this text. We see that here for ourselves. That it's not about what we say. It's not about what we think. It's not about what we feel. You know, I could could feel like I really love God today. And I could feel like I'm a really great person. Yet if I'm not keeping his commandments, then according to this, according to the text, I'm I'm a liar. And the truth is not in me. You see, I think the point that the writer is trying to make in this letter is this. Profession, proclamation, speaking, without practice, without action, is pointless. Profession, without practice, is pointless. Because we see here four times the writer highlights our need and the requirement that it's not about what we say. Sorry, it's not just about what we say, but it's about what we do. It's about the action. It's about putting into practice what we're saying. You know, there's a saying that we all know, um, and it's something that as I was growing up and as I played a lot of sport growing up, this is something that my coaches would pound into me over and over and over again. To our whole team, they would always say, you know, it's, it, guys, it's not about talking the talk. You know, we can sit in team meetings and we can, we can plan and we can create strategies and we can do this and we can do that. But it's not about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. Because in the end, words, while they do matter, we're not to, we're not to fully measure ourselves by the words that we speak. Because it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're a liar. It says that, you know, if we say, I know him, yet we don't keep his commandments, we, we are not walking in the truth. It says if, if that we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because it's about the confession that we have sin, but it's about understanding the reality that we have the union with Christ, which is established by his blood. It is him who makes us perfect, not our ability to say that we have no sin. Profession without practice is pointless. As I said in the beginning, there's a lot of meat. What I'm talking about, it's a harsh reality. It's not a comfortable, you know, it's not a comfortable, feel-good message. 
It is the good news. But it's not a feel-good message. Because the reality is it requires something of us. It requires something of me. It requires something of you. Profession without practice is pointless. Because if we want to be a people that not only say we have fellowship with God, but if we want to be a people that walk in fellowship with God and walk in fellowship with one another, our words alone don't cut it. Our words alone aren't enough. It requires something. It costs something of us. I remember when I was growing up and and something that I still do now, I'm not really a fan of New Year's resolutions for a couple of reasons. I think we've made New Year's resolutions to, you know, be this kind of fad kind of cool thing where we say something that we, we hope to achieve throughout the year. Maybe our New Year's resolution is like, I'm going to lose 20 kilos. Okay, how are you going to lose 20 kilos? I'm going to eat healthy and go to the gym every day. It's almost a joke now because people will follow their New Year's resolution for the first week of January. And maybe the second week of January, maybe the third week of January, if they really work hard at it. But come February, we don't even remember what our New Year's resolution was. When I was growing up, I used to always say like, oh, this off-season from football, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to go for runs every day. I'm going to go to the gym all the time. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to do it every off-season. And lo and behold, by the time the season came around every time, what do you guys think was the reality of what actually happened? I probably went for runs every day for the first week. I probably ate healthy, you know, for the first couple of weeks. And then when it begins to actually cost me something, when the the hype and the the motivation and the nice idea of, you know, showing up fit to preseason training falls away and it becomes a distant memory and it and it's the middle of winter and or maybe it's the middle of summer and I don't want to go for a run today because it's 35 degrees and you know, maybe it's just more convenient for me to just go get Maccas. Or maybe go get KFC because, like, I, it just tastes better. The reality was that I would always show up undertrained, not having committed to or completed what I said I was going to do. And while you may not have experienced that in a sport way, maybe there have been other areas of your life. You know, maybe it was you making the suggestion that, like, oh, I'm going to go and do this training. Maybe I'm going to learn. Maybe I'm going to take this year, and maybe every month of this year, I'm going to listen to podcasts and I'm going to learn this skill and I'm going to do this skill and I'm going to become amazing at this skill and and then I'm going to use this skill. And maybe for the first couple of weeks, you did, and 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 the skill was awesome, and you you were passionate about it. And then you began to forget or or maybe life became too busy and you didn't keep setting aside the time required and it just fell to the side. I'm sure there's something that you've said you're going to do, which is a good thing, but it hasn't happened. I'm pretty sure we can all relate to that. What I'm sharing today, I, I, I don't want you to feel condemned. I'm not sharing it so that you feel shame or you feel bad about yourself. I'm sharing because I believe that we're called to live as believers and as Christians. We're called to live to a higher standard. 
We're called to live to the standard that the writer is setting and sending to these people. Because the question that we've labeled this series, what is real life? I believe real life is what's in these words. I believe real life and the way that we should live is is in this book. It's in these words. It's in this chapter. I believe that we're not called to settle. I believe we're called to not just be people that say, but people that do. I believe we're meant to be people that profess and proclaim, but we also practice and we also act. I believe that we're meant to be people that live with the reality that we are in constant union with God. That the price that, the, that Jesus paid on the cross was worth it. That the reality is he tore the veil. The veil was torn. That as it says in Romans eight thirty eight and 39, that there is nothing that can separate us. That's our standard. That's our reality. And we're not called to settle for anything less. We're not called to settle for anything less. Fellowship, intimacy, and connection with the Father is conditional to our choice. Are we going to be a people who just profess? I, I, I sincerely hope not. My prayer is that we are a people that can profess and proclaim, but also a people that act. You know, I love this quote by St. Francis of Assisi. He says, at all times, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. At all times, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. That quote paints such a pretty picture, such a beautiful picture of our reality, of the reality that, that John is writing here. The reality that not just by our words, but by our actions, by our love for God, by our devotion to the word, by our devotion to follow his commandments and his leading in our life, by our level of surrender and submission, by our, by our ability to confess our sins, by our ability to proclaim that Christ is what cleanses us, that it's his righteousness in us. It's by these things that we are able to live and understand and know real life, real life. This is real life. Union is real life. Fellowship is real life. But it comes with a price, a price that we have to pay, not just with our words, but with our practice, with our action. I want to encourage you. I want to <laughs> ask that you, you take a moment to reflect, that you take a moment to take stock of your life. You know, maybe there are things that you've said that you've been wanting to do, yet you haven't created time to do them. You know, maybe you've said that you, you want to read your Bible more or spend more time with God, yet the busyness of life has taken over and you haven't been able to find time to do it. Maybe I want to encourage you that this might be a moment where you can choose to put into practice what you're saying or what you're planning on doing. Let me pray. Lord, we, we come before you as, as mere humans. Father, we accept the reality that we are broken people 
And Lord, that it's not by our might or our power or our strength. Lord, but it's by confessing our brokenness to you that you make us clean. Lord, that it's by our choice to accept your light that we are able to walk in your light. Father, I pray for each and every one of us right now. Lord, would you give us the strength and the courage and the perseverance to not be people that just talk the talk, but, Father, that we would be people that walk the walk. Lord, that we would be people that not only profess, but we would be people that practice what is in your word, what we are called to do. Father, I just pray against any shame or any feeling of not being good enough or any thoughts of condemnation. Father, they are not from you. Lord, you convict and you call us higher. You don't bring us down. And Lord, I just pray that we would continue to understand the reality, Lord, that we would understand the greatness of the sacrifice that you paid. Lord, that we would know that union is established now and forever because of your blood. And Lord, that we have the choice to live in fellowship with you. And Lord, that choice is to not just say, but Lord, it's also to do. And Father, we just pray that you would make make that real and relevant for us this morning. Lord, we honor you. We acknowledge your sacrifice. Lord, we acknowledge the greatness of who you are, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.